0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 114, and we're reviewing Attack on Titan Season 2. As always, there will be spoilers throughout this episode. Huge, giant spoilers. Major, major spoilers. And we'll explain exactly why in just a little bit. But before that, we do want to wish everyone who uh, is in the U.S., I believe canada as well and for those who do observe happy thanksgiving
1: well that's news to me i didn't know canadians also celebrated thanksgiving but yeah i guess (laughs) happy thanksgiving to everyone in north america
0: i don't know much about it (laughs) i i just recently found out that canadians celebrate thanksgiving in october so oh, okay. it's already come and gone for them. They've had their fill of food. But by the time this episode goes live, we'll be just a few days out from Thanksgiving in the US. So figure it'd be good to to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone eats a lot of food because I know I will.
1: And what better anime to talk about during the week of Thanksgiving than one that's that's filled with Titans ravenously eating humans? <laughs> it's how perfect. festive. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And while that's something on a bit of a positive note, um, we do have something that uh, is on more of a, not a negative note, but um, you know maybe a little less happy, a little less exciting. Um, we received a complaint recently about our previous Attack on Titan review episode, um, where we reviewed Attack on Titan season one. Uh-oh. And this complaint comes from Hernstrom, who, if you've uh, heard that name before, Hernstrom is a very active member of the Strictly community on our Discord, an amazing patron, but Hernstrom definitely doesn't let uh, things slide.
1: So we'll go ahead and play, because Hernstrom ended up sending an audio of their complaint, so let's take a listen.
2: Hello Strictly series, I am the anonymous Yoshi, and I have a very urgent and serious complaint related to your podcast. In the most recent Attack on Titan episode 110 you guys forgot something very very important and I don't know if I can ever forgive you. I sat in my spectacular chair of choice and treated myself with the latest and freshest AOT podcast episode from you guys. I had a wonderful time and I had so many laughs and just a great listening experience. Until in the very last seconds of the episode when Courtney started to say stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb and while that was playing I lip synced Courtney's words word for word, like I always used to do and then I was ready for the big finisher from Carl. The Shinzo Woshaseo, but I didn't hear anything from Carl, The outro was just playing, and then the episode was over. I said to myself, "I must be hallucinating. He can't be forgetting something as important as the Shinzo Woshaseo." So I went back thirty seconds and gave it a try again, but still no Shinzo Woshaseo. I sunk down in my chair of choice and took a bit of my salmon and topped it off with some mustard leaves. I was completely stunned by how something this horrible can occur by such a competent weeb. Speechless, I were, and the indescribable emptiness started to grow more and more. I can't be the only person who noticed something was off by this episode so I wish you can correct yourself and make an apology to me and us in the Strictly Anime family. If you can't meet these demands I'm afraid I have to let my anonymous companion know that he can continue send more controversial and explicit pictures of Comey in the NSFW Discord channel. I hope you can forgive yourself Carl and make this right for everyone. Anonymous Yoshi is out.
0: That that is the best complaint I have ever heard. (laughs) It was so good. (laughs)
1: Oh Lord! I love how the
0: the auto speech says. Shinzo wo or something. Shasageyo. Sa- Sa- yeah, shasageyo. Sh- sha- I mean, yeah, <laughs> Sa- <laughs> we, we kind of
1: revealed Hernstrom's identity because the audio says Anonymous Yoshi. Oh, guys, sorry. But- <laughs> it's, it's
0: Anonymous Yoshi. We don't know who this complaint uh, yes, came from. <laughs> uh, so just,
1: just We'll use the Founding Titans powers to wipe that from everyone's memories. So, yes, this, was, <laughs> this came from Anonymous Yoshi. Um yeah, what I don't know what I, I can say. I, I think I knew that we would always for our Ta- Attack on Titan special review episodes for the final season. Yes, we would conclude by saying stay safe, stay healthy, stay weep, sasagio, and then I would come in and say Shinzo wo Sasagio. I think I was thinking this isn't like a special review episode. This is technically just a a regular anime review episode. Uh but I guess, you know, for the occasion it it should be something that we include for an episode about attack on titan regardless um but i think my other de- or my only defense is um season one it didn't have shinzo wo Sasage-o as an op so but
0: did they say it in the anime they did
1: they okay they did erwin did say it when he asked like who wanted to remain as part of the the, the the scouting legion or the the scout regiment so
0: so technically it existed at yeah. that time okay and we so should then, have said it yeah then
1: my defense doesn't work <laughs> so i'll i'll have i will make sure for this episode and for our future review episode on season three that i will Properly conclude the episode the way it should be concluded.
0: So we are issuing anonymous Yoshi a formal apology for not doing the Shinzo Sosagio at the closer of yes. the Attack on Titan season one episode, and we will we will be better about it. We're going to do it with this episode and next few.
1: And yes, please please keep Comey. <laughs> Non-luded, <laughs> <in the> NSFW. <laughs> each- I beg of you. I mean, I know it's it's already happened, but please don't don't flood it with more because of <laughs> mea culpa.
0: But thank you, Hirschm, for setting that in. Like like I said, you don't let these things slide. You're so on top of it, and every time you submit something, it is just absolutely hilarious. So keep it coming, and we appreciate all your support.
1: Hopefully this filled your indescribable emptiness. <laughs> Hopefully you're not drowning in an indescribable emptiness anymore.
0: And speaking of supporting us, um, if you enjoy our episodes, if you've been enjoying our look back on Attack on Titan in preparation for the final season, part three, the final part, whatever you want to call it, um, consider supporting us um, in different ways. You can either follow us on social media, uh, Instagram at the Strictly Series, Twitter at Strictly Series, You can join our Discord and hang out with Hernstrom and all of our other amazing Discord members. The link to join that is in the description. You could even leave us a rating on Spotify um, or a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever system you're listening platform of choice has Um, or if you have a few dollars to throw our way you could uh, join us over at our patreon at patreon.com slash the strictly series where hernstrom's also at a bunch of other amazing patrons are also at um, and a really good community over there but any way that you can support us we really appreciate even just by continuing to listen to us every single week so it's time to jump into attack on titan season two and as a quick recap for those of you who may be just joining in here at the uh, season two episode of attack on titan um Strictly anime we have been reviewing every single episode of attack on titan the final season for the past two years one and a half, two two years um and we do this through our special event so in preparation for that special event to return on our podcast as well as for the final part of the final season that airs next year we are taking a look back at the first three seasons of aot as mentioned we did look back to season one of aot on strictly anime episode 110 so if you haven't done so already highly recommend going back to listen to that Um, we had special guest brian from tv and movie trivia pod he returned to the podcast to talk all about that first season and today we're looking back at season two and we've said many times in our AOT special event that no character, no bit of dialogue, no bit of Isayama's genius writing ever goes to waste in this show. So um, part of this episode is going to be us talking about our general thoughts, rewatching season two. Does it hold up after you know after all these years? Things like that. But then I think the large part of the discussion is going to be looking at every instance, every hint from season two that we didn't notice the first time around because we didn't know the full Attack on Titan lore. So again, Isayama is notorious for dropping these major hints in the story. um, And we wanted to find every last bit of them because it's so cool. It changes the whole watching experience. Um, So that was really our, our primary focus of doing this look back. But that means that this is going to be an extremely spoiler heavy discussion. We are going to talk about anything and everything that has happened in the Attack on Titan anime so far. And by so far, we mean up until the final season part two. So if you have not caught up with Attack on Titan to the final season part two, we highly recommend watching all of that and then returning back to this podcast episode because we're probably going to spoil this shit out of everything.
1: Yes, so this is your final warning. If you haven't watched Attack on Titan up until the final season, part two, perhaps you can put a pause on this episode and return back to it when you're ready to dive into full spoilers. By the way, I think Isayama was actually in the U.S. this month uh, for Anime NYC.
0: I saw that, Mm -hmm. and he said he gave some sort of thank you to of course the audience there, but to Attack on Titan fans in general about the reception of the ending of the manga. So I I don't know what that means <laughs> Well, <laughs> because I don't know the ending of, of AOT, but apparently yeah. people really liked it.
1: Well, I think th- the post that I saw was like, because I think he was going to have a panel talking about Attack on Titan at Anime NYC, this anime convention in New York City. Uh, I think he, he was, in that message, he was saying, I know the ending was controversial for some, so basically, please be gentle <laughs> when you're asking <laughs> questions during the panel. But again, he said he appreciated the support. Um, so yeah, that just makes me really curious to see how the ending is going to unfold in the anime adaptation. I know people have commented on how the ending is a little controversial. Uh, I We don't know what the context of that is, but I think... You know, controversial endings can make for very interesting discussions. So however that's going to play out, I'm still looking forward to
0: it. All right. So let's start off with our general thoughts and I guess general reviews of season two um, and to kick us off to do that. Can you you take us through the synopsis?
1: Yes. So it's time, listeners, to keep your Utgard up. As we soar into our synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan Season 2, the 2017 anime adaptation of a dark fantasy manga series written and illustrated by Hajime Isayama. The anime was produced by WIT Studio and directed by Tetsuro Araki and covers chapters 35 through 50 from the original manga known as the Clash of the Titans arc. While Aaron Jaegerman Jensen sits on the injured list after his row with Annie's female Titan, the rest of the scouts and Levi squad take the field against their Titan adversaries. Hanji's crew digs deeper into the reason why the walls are built Titan Tough, finding a link to a scout whose real name has been lost to Historia, while Eren figures he can probably plug the hole in Shiganshonen Jump district by creating his own Titan Tough Terracotta. Meanwhile outside of Wall Rose, a group of cadets turned scouts deal with a mysterious pure Titan entourage that appeared out of thin air. Led by an equally mysterious monkey man Titan, in the ensuing scuffle, we learn that one of the scouts, Emir, has a secret Titan cosplay just like Aaron, and wants Kristoria to cosplay as well, but just in her own way. Once the combined scouts tag team together to topple the Titan troublemakers, the red nosed Reiner casually mentions to Aaron Jaegerman Jensen that he and Bertolo Tolto have been secretly cosplaying as the Armored and Colossal Titans and end up kidnapping Eren and Emir to force them into a proper group cosplay back at their hometown. The scouts give chase to the traitors to claim Eren rightfully for their group cosplay, though it turns Erwin Doncho from a one-man army to a one armed man. But it proves to be perfect timing for their claim, as Eren subsequently reveals a hidden punching technique that gives him player one controls over pure titans and six of them on his former comrades, as well as the smiling titan who made his mother into mincemeat. Feeling bad for the red-nosed Reiner and Bertolo Tolto, Ymir offers herself as a consolation prize and gives Kristoria her well wishes in choosing the right cosplay for herself. With the Titan triple play at its conclusion, the scouts presume that the pure titans were recruited from inside the walls, suggesting that titan cosplays were handed out to human villagers instead of the typical whack-a-wall routine as was performed in Shigan Jump District over 5 years ago. Speaking of which, Monkey Man Titan has retreated back to Wall Maria and looks upon how things have been going bananas for the scouts. Except that the monkey man is actually no monkey, but all man. And by the looks of it, I suppose you could say he isn't horsing around. Horsing? Yeah, because he's a monkey.
0: Oh, I thought it was like a a John reference, because he's got horse face. No, I
1: was making a lot of monkey references, and I I don't know why I have to explain
0: the joke. It's a terrible (laughs) joke, but let's move on. Well, you know, John's my favorite character, so my mind just goes straight to him. Um, But we talked about this in the AOT Season 1 episode, um, that... Rewatching this, knowing everything we know now, and we don't even know the full story because we still have one part left of the final season. Um, it really does change the entire watching experience. I think I talked last time about how um, it doesn't change it in a bad way. It's actually changing it in a great way because it's almost like refueling my excitement. And um, it's like rewatching it through a whole new lens. Did you feel that way this time around with season two? knowing what we knew going into it, did you still get, you know, did you get the vibes from it? Did you get feels from it?
1: No, yeah, it definitely felt rewarding just seeing all of these callbacks and fulfillment that we see from season two being carried on into season four. Uh, But just to go back in time, I just remember when we had to wait four years... For this season uh, because season one came out 2013 and then season two came out in 2017 Uh, I think I was surprised that there were only 12 episodes in this season but it definitely has its share of jaw-dropping moments and it felt very well worth the wait Uh, but yeah that first watch through the the continual world building felt like it was leaving us with more questions than answers. Um, first with, of course, the Titans pe- appearing inside Wall Rose, and then the whole story surrounding Emir and some of the cryptic conversations that she has, especially with Reiner in the later half of the season. But like you said, going back and rewatching these scenes now, it's just amazing how how much we know, now that we didn't know back then, that makes all of these things less confusing, but as I said, more rewarding.
0: Yeah, I feel similarly. I would say one of my favorite parts of this season was the very nonchalant reveal of the Armored Titan and Colossal Titan halfway through the season. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Um, and I was worried that knowing full context would diminish or discount the way that that whole scene unfolds, but it didn't. It was still just as fucking crazy to me rewatching it. I think I've mm-hmm. rewatched it honestly a lot of times through YouTube clips, and every time it hits just as hard. Um, I would also say that I'm still experiencing those like Leonardo DiCaprio meme moments. You know where he like sits up in the chair and he like points at the TV like, "Oh, oh shit, I, I, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> like I know that, I know that. Like, or sort of, like, look at that. Like that. That's exactly the way I feel. Like." I I think I remember season two a little bit less than season one, which is weird because I watched season one so much longer before season two. So watching it this time, I, I knew of like the big hints, right? Like Emir reading the can of food. Like that was a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Zeke, um, like calling out to the Titans and like, you know, them originating from Connie's home village. Like I knew that, but there were still these other hints that I totally forgot were dropped. Um, or probably didn't even realize were dropped at the time, and I still had those, oh, shit, moments. Like, holy shit, wait, that part right there. And I kept asking you to pause. I'm like, wait, pause it. I got to write this one down. (laughs) So I've got, you know, even though it was 12 episodes in this season, I still have a pretty long list of of hints that I found. Um, So I can't wait to talk about those. But I do want to dive in a little bit about that big reveal in episode six with the Armored Titan and Colossal Titan. Did you also feel the same way about that whole scene playing out, or... Did it hit different for you in different in a different way? Sorry, I'm using hit different <laughs> in like two different contexts.
1: No, like there are certain scenes that we watch in anime or even in t- other TV shows or film that rewatching them over and over again, like even though you know it's coming, it still gets you feeling some type of way every time. And it was just the same thing here. Uh, I think just being in the moment with watching Attack on Titan, even though, again, I knew it was coming, but I think just the fact that Reiner blatantly tells Eren the truth about himself and Bertolt, but in a nonchalant way, it still makes it feel so unexpected every time. And, you know, there are many instances in Attack on Titan where we get unexpected moments, but this still remains one of the most... The most unexpected, um, and you know what? We haven't used this phrase in a while. It subverted my expectations. Hey, there along it is. <laughs> so yeah, it it still hit the same way. Again, I just love that it's it so much of a background conversation, but it changes the course of the entire story from that point onwards.
0: Yeah, I would have to say, if anything, I watched that scene with more clarity this time. So one big, I guess, thing that I, I kind of dealt with the first time I watched season two was my confusion around Reiner's behavior and his almost like split personality stuff. Mm-hmm. Watching it this time and like talking through it with you right after watching, like re- rewatching certain episodes, I finally realized what the hell was going on. Because forever I was like, I'm so confused by why Reiner's behaving this way. So like first of all, why he chose to nonchalantly even tell Aaron and even said, like, bro, just come with us. It'll, we'll, we'll be all good. Like, just come with us back to our hometown. It'll be all good. Like, just just join us. Uh, I was like, why would he even choose to do that? But now I realize it's because he still had it ingrained in him from, like, his, let's call it, like, his parody side. That he and Aaron were close friends. That they had this mm-hmm. very trusting relationship. So he could just go and tell Aaron the truth about everything. And Aaron would be cool with it because they're friends. But then, like, Beretold's standing there like, bro, come on. They're the enemy. Like, you can't just be like that. And it's the same thing in the Forest of Giant Trees. What is it called?
1: That area? Yeah, it's the Forest of Giant Trees. Oh, shit,
0: I got it right. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When they're there and... Reiner and Aaron and Emi are confronting each other, but then suddenly Reiner has like this switch flip between his like warrior self, meaning his Marley side and his soldier self, meaning like his Paradis side. That confused me so bad for so many years, but it wasn't until this rewatch, I realized same thing because you kind of explained it to me that he's having a hard time um, dealing with these two personas he's had to put on. His normal self as a warrior and then this fake, this like facade self that, you know, he is as a scout. And he, it's, it's just, But I mean, it's been years, right? It's been years that he's a scout, at least three years or so. Um, so for him to just let go of all of that is extremely difficult. But yeah, now I have that clarity. Now I don't feel confused the way I felt for so many years.
1: And even in earlier episodes of this season, you get a bit of a taste for like Ryan... They say Ryan. Ryaners, Ryan. That, <laughs> Who came is out Ryan? Of, that came out of nowhere. Uh, Reiner's split personality. Uh, I have a note here from episode three, Southwestward. I think this is where uh, Connie hears the Titan that we find out is his mother welcoming him back to Ragako because they were investigating the village. Um, but as Connor. B-
2: Connor, <laughs> with Ryan getting, and Connor, where am, I, where am I getting these names? But <laughs> as soon
1: as Connie starts like thinking something's not right here, why does this why is this Titan saying welcome home? Reiner snaps him out of it, and part of me was thinking he's doing that because he doesn't want Connie to find out the truth about these Titans, and that it's basically Zeke who is using his spinal fluid to turn this village into Titans, so that he could breach Walrose Rose from within. But Reiner says something after he snaps Connie out of it and says, if you're a soldier, put the mission first. And there's a lot of interplay between Reiner using the word, Reiner and Bertolt using the words soldier and warrior. I feel like in this moment, it was Reiner trying to convince himself that he needs to put the mission first, but him saying soldier is part of that whole split personality thing. Uh, another instance is in episode four, which is titled Soldier. Uh, I think here it's after Reiner defended the the cadets from that Titan those climbing the tower and Historia is tending to his wounds. And Bertolt Berthold explains that Reiner was more of a warrior in the past, unlike now. Again, hinting at their their secret history. And I, there, I think these moments are there to lead us to why Reiner has this very strange split personality going on within him. We I'll get, we didn't know what was going on beforehand, but I think these are hints that we could have looked at leading up to us understanding, this i guess dichotomy for reiner
0: and maybe even an early sign of reiner just wanting to die (laughs) Mm because that's a theme in the final season he just wants to fucking die um he's just been through so much uh but there's other things too like small things i noticed about this season that stuck out compared to season one um they made titans way more wild this season they move so erratically and looks so strange. I mean they did already in season 1 but they amped that up for this season. I feel like they also amped up the titan kills. They were some of them were way more brutal and gruesome and chilling. Uh the ones that stuck with me the most are Mish? Mishay? Mishi, Mish, Mish? Is it Mike? Mike, I don't fucking From know. the very
1: first episode. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um him getting ripped apart and like shrieking the whole time. They just like they dragged it out in like a way that that worked but it just like was so intense to watch that cuz Zeke just walks away. It's it's like so fucked up just thinking about like Zeke letting this guy die him like shrieking as he's being ripped to shreds and you see that all and Zeke's just like, "Okay, bye."
1: <laughs> yeah. Or even just the beast titan himself. I that was like just terrifying seeing Zeke appears as the Beast Titan for the first time because it's unlike any of the other, other Titans we've seen before. They're, they're all hairless, basically, except for th- what's on top of their heads. And then you have this, again, this Monkey Man Titan coming in. He doesn't look menacing because he has a very calm demeanor on his face, but he's just towering over all of these other Titans and even these humans. And then he just starts speaking. Like, that threw me off guard off guard the first time I saw and heard him.
0: Kaya's mom, I think that's the the most intense death this whole season. I think I talked in um, our previous episode of season one that the most intense death of that season or one of them was the dude that Annie as the female Titan twirled around by a string. But I, I still can't handle that one. But in this season, it's Kaya's mom getting slowly eaten as Kaya just watches in shock. That was... Absolutely rough. She doesn't even say anything the whole time. She just accepts her fate and like just tries to, you know, bite through the pain or just like handle like breathe through the pain. Um, probably also that the Titan focuses on her and not on her daughter, and then they just have to leave her. I just like can't get over that. Um, I also feel like one of the most atrocious things <laughs> happened in this season, which is the infamous CG Colossal Titan. Although does the CG mm. Colossal Titan make an appearance in season three?
1: yes when it is it more egregious
0: in in season three
1: um i feel like they're at the same level uh but yeah here i mean comparing it from season one to two it was quite a a visual change and yeah it wasn't like i I wasn't pleased with it like I, i understand why cgi is used in these moments I guess I could argue which was worse, the the CGI for the Colossal Titan here or the CGI Titans in the final season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say as technology progresses, the final season CGI Titans look better. Um, I just remember like a, a particular scene where the CG Colossal Titan looks fucking disgusting and everyone memes about it, but I don't know if it was from season 2 it or season 3. Might
1: be from season 3.
0: Okay. Well, either way, we get the introduction of the CG Colossal Titan in this season. Um, there was not enough John in this whole season. Uh he was like very absent for a good chunk of the episodes, and I got very sad because he's my favorite character. I also found it weird that Reiner and Bertolt, and I guess Annie too, never really react to the fact that Emir's name is Emir when they know the history of Eldia.
1: Mm, that's true.
0: Like I don't know if Emir's like a common name because well, do the people of Paradise even know the history about Emir? They don't. I was Only gonna say like
1: like the the church and the royal family. Because I was gonna
0: say like if it's like a historical figure, then yeah, maybe like a lot of people like to name their children after that historical figure. But Ymir's not a very popular. Yeah, you're right. Like I don't think anyone outside of the church knows about Emir, at least in Paradise. So why weren't they like why the fuck is her name Emir <laughs> what's going on here um unless they don't know the story of Emir but I think they do don't they don't doesn't the Marley don't the Marley yeah I, I think know? it was
1: yeah they were, used Emir in their propaganda against the Eldian saying that she had made a deal with the devil oh
0: right yeah because they're worshiping her because that's like tied back to their hit their their origins so yeah mm-hmm. they do know yeah I just I, maybe I missed it but I feel like season one and season two. None of the Marleyans, the Marley Eldians, reacted to the fact that her name is Emir.
1: One thing that you did not know back when we were, you were talking about, like, Titan kills and Titan injuries was the the biggest Titan injury of them all in this season. Erwin's arm getting Eaten by the Titan.
0: Well, yeah, that one that that was a shocker for sure. I would say I wouldn't call it like a brutal, gruesome, or chilling death the way the other ones were. But yeah, that was surprising. Know, yeah,
1: that, that fucking came out of nowhere, especially because he had the the inspiring speech right beforehand, where he's like, "If we need to take Aaron in order to advance the the future of humanity," and then of course he does the Shinzo Sasageyo and that rallies the scouts and. He, He's leading the charge, saying susume, or forward. And then that titan pops out of the trees and just chomps his arm off. I was like, god damn. And we
0: all thought he was going to die, but we learned pretty quickly he was okay. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but also just the fact that even though he's probably like writhing in pain from that bite, he's still pushing his soldiers forward, saying, like, even if I'm fucking dead, you guys need to fucking go in and grab Aaron. And that's why...
0: That's why he's a leader. That's yeah. why they respect him so much. Um, and that's something I'll talk about a, a moment I noticed right after that um, when we get to that episode. But th- this is why Erwin is so respected in the like the scout community. Um, did the Titan take his Sasageo arm? You know when they do the salute? Yes. Do they yes. do it with their right arm? Yeah.
1: Because I actually I ended up reading a bit about Erwin in the anime Attack on Titan wiki. And it said, like he improperly does the salute with his left hand now, since his right Aww, arm has that's been taken sad. <laughs> away. Yeah, um, I think the only other general thought I have with this season again, this kind of goes hand in hand with my initial confusion watching season two, is with Emir's backstory coming out of nowhere. Um, that had so many gaps in the story that, you know, I I think we all thought this was like the history of the island many years ago, but it just didn't make sense because you see these uniformed soldiers carrying rifles and you kind of compare that to Paradis' technology at the time that these events are unfolding in the present and they're not using rifles, they're they're using ODM gear and these blades. So that kind of made this sort of like, contradiction about the, the true history of the island and these walls. And then the whole thing with Emir, like, getting caught and then getting executed. And then it cuts before we find out, like, why or how she became a titan. And then she just appears in that desert. Like, I'm watching these things the first time I'm looking or watching season two. And every moment of that, I just kept going, what the fuck? Was that, was that how you felt the first time you watched that episode that was focused on Emir?
0: Yeah, well, I, I specifically want to call out the soldiers from her flashback. It's such a minor detail, but I remember all the discourse around that when, when that episode aired. Everyone was like, why do those soldiers look different? Why mm-hmm. are they carrying guns? I mean, of all the things that they were talking about, like, who's Emir, What's this religion? Like, th- that's really what should have been the focus. But no, everyone was so fixated on those soldiers because it was, again, it was a very quick moment, but it was a very blatant thing, like a very glaringly different detail um, but that just got like, n- it was completely undressed. So that's why it's another oh, hint. Undressed until
1: now, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's another hint that Isayama just like fucking plopped in our laps but and then walked away without explaining anything to us. I do want to take a moment and acknowledge, and we'll talk more about like the specifics of it when we get to the episode, but in general acknowledge the Aaron Mikasa scene towards the end of the season. Um, and the reason I want to talk about it is because of what Aaron says to Mikasa in the final season, which is, I hate you, I've always... Disliked you or whatever. I know there's a lot of talk about like whether he's being serious or he's just saying it for some greater purpose. And if you think about that scene where him and Mikasa are about to get eaten by Zeke's mom, (laughs) um, he couldn't transform. No matter how hard he tried, no matter how desperately he wanted to save Hans, he could not transform. And he absolutely broke down when Hans got eaten. But it wasn't until Mika saw thanked him for everything that he's done that his like switch flipped back on, and he was, it was like a one hundred and eighty. He became super calm and confident.
1: Performance
0: issues, right? Yeah, performance anxiety. <laughs> now, yeah, the the
1: big dick energy.
0: Um, he said that he'd keep being there for her. I'll keep wrapping the scarf around you as many times as you want. And I didn't notice this before, but he instantly grew his fingers back.
1: All right, because they were little nubs. When yeah, <laughs> he's he kept biting his own yeah. fingers off.
0: um So to me, this signals how important she is. Like he was desperate to try and help Hans, but the second Mikasa was in harm's way, it's like all bets are off. Like he he was able to do what he needed to do about thirty seconds ago, and it was thanks to her being there for him. So regardless of like what your thoughts are about Aaron and Mikasa, I mean they clearly have such a strong and very special bond. I personally ship them. I know there's a whole segment of the of the um, Attack on Titan fandom that does not. Maybe they ship Historia, but for me, that was really important just because that reminded me that maybe what Aaron was saying in the final season is not a literal thing that he's trying to achieve something else with her.
1: Yeah, it, even look at the way she looks. At Aaron, like with the rose-colored cheeks. I mean,
0: and... she fucking is in love with him, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: there is clearly uh, there is clearly something special going on between them. Whether or not it's romantic, I, I can't say for sure. I mean, sure. at the end
0: of the day, he saved her life. Mm-hmm. If anything, like that's going to create a very special bond.
1: Yeah, and the way I also looked at this scene, um, knowing what we know now, is that uh, I feel like this is establishing that it's Mikasa, mm-hmm gives Aaron his will to move forward. And that's why I don't believe him when he says, I hate you to Mikasa at that scene in in the final season. I feel like he's, even though he's, again, doing very malevolent things right now, that he still keeps his friends, but mostly Mikasa at top of mind when he's out to exterminate the world. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I did notice too, um, not just about season two, but about Attack Attack on Titan in general. Because I'm like, okay, first season, fantastic pacing. We talked all about that. Um, season two, still really good pacing. And I think the reason that Attack on Titan is just such a uh, a fantastic anime is because there's no filler episodes there's no filler anywhere yeah, that's true everything that happens i mean maybe there's filler i'm not re- remembering in season three but so far everything that has happened is a direct um has a direct tie into the progression of the overall plot and i'm like thank god but that also tells you how much happens in one season In just 12 episodes, think about everything that occurred, how far we came from the end of season one. I mean, you shared all the major details in your synopsis. So I think that's something that stands out for me about this show and about the story is that there's a goal and they just go straight for it. But there's so much that happens in between that you get tons of great content. Let's talk a little bit about favorite and least favorite parts. Um, Thinking about season two what were your what was your one favorite? Or if you have a couple, I guess you can you can mention them. But at least like one favorite and one least favorite part of the season.
1: I, I mentioned this before. I think my favorite part from season two is Erwin giving his Let's Go Fuck 'em up speech. The, the Shinzo Sasagayo speech. And then again, him getting his arm ripped off by that Titan, but still having The courage and the tenacity to continue leading his troops into the thick of battle. Like I, I think that's my highlight for season two. One of that's one of my favorite moments from Attack on Titan overall. Uh, It gives me as much goosebumps as, or maybe not so much, but it's up there with a moment in season three, um, the Levi versus Beast Titan moment, which I think is my. My most favorite scene out of all of Attack on Titan, but yeah, that's probably my favorite moment for season two. My least favorite moment—I don't think this is really a moment, but just more of a, a general thing—is how Historia is slowly introduced into the world building. Uh, I think with season two, the the story wants us to get more accustomed to. Like we know her as Krista here, but eventually as Historia. But it's just that her importance felt so outweighed by the more compelling plot lines of Reiner, of Bertolt, of Emir, and of course, Eren. And I know that it drops hints throughout the, these episodes, and it's subtly telling us, you know, keep your eyes on this girl. But that's basically it. Like just these tiny snippets of info that I felt didn't keep us really invested in her enough. Uh, I know it picks up in the third season, but that first half, I know a lot of people, they, they look down upon it because it felt so slow. And maybe part of it is just because of how Historia was built up. But I would say that's probably my least favorite thing about season two. What about you?
0: Uh, without a doubt, my favorite part is the nonchalant way Reiner spoils that they're the colossal and armored titan. We've already talked at lengths about that and how fucking amazing and and uh, how fucking amazing that was, and like how it's one of at least to me one of the best moments of writing in anime history. Um, my least favorite part is probably um, I don't know. I think it's probably the entire Emir arc now don't get me wrong it's still fantastic but if i had to choose one that i was the least invested in it was probably that because it just didn't make that much sense to me back then which is the point right she's sharing all this information about her her history about her origins that is supposed to lead to something bigger but I think there was such a heavy focus on like her relationship with Historia, and they've got a great friendship. And you know, I think some people, um, you know, some people believe that Emir had romantic feelings for Historia. That's all great, but I just thought that there was so much of it. And to your point, there was so much of it for a character Historia who like is just scratching the surface. So I feel like why mm-hmm. are they giving us so information, so much information now about? historia's importance to emir but then on top of that you get all of this information about emir's relationship with historia her backstory and all of that and then we don't fucking see her again <laughs> she's gone after yeah. that it's all important information but i kind of wish they maybe condensed it a little bit it was just like a ton of emir content in the second half of the season and i i just wish that like for the amount of time she's actually involved in the story that they just shaved off a little bit and gave us maybe some other stuff so still very important still you know at the core of it i think it, it should go untouched but maybe just the way they approached it could have been different all right let's jump into hints now that we've talked um a little bit about our overall thoughts of the season i think we should start with the op and ed before we jump into each of the hints that we saw in the various episodes um because the OP and the ED have hints themselves, as we know with this ED especially.
1: Yeah, the OP, um, I, I feel like there might be minimal hints compared to the ED, but it's still important in its own right because the season two OP for Attack on Titan is, of course, Shinzo Sasageo, or Dedicate Your Hearts by Linked Horizon, the same band that has done the, the first two ops for or the, the the two ops for the first season um and I think the op for the one of the ops for the third season
0: they didn't do all of the ops for the third season
1: no remember the fly to heaven that, that wasn't was, them no
0: oh I always thought that was them they no. were just singing different
1: they they did part two's op for the third season
0: that's weird that they
1: Oh, wait, no, but they did the ED for part one.
0: Okay, so basically they've been involved with like every season.
1: Except for the, the final. final season. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, mm-hmm. to focus on Shinzo Sasageo, I think I said in uh, the season one review that Guren no Yumiya, uh, the first OP, Crimson Bone Arrow, it might feel like the national anthem for a country that doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. Or I would say like the national anthem of Attack on Titan. I feel like Shinzo Osasagio is, and you've said this before, the national anthem of anime.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I saw that on Twitter. So I I didn't originate that. I'll (laughs) I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. I don't know who the hell wrote that, but I saw it on Twitter one time. Someone said Shinzo Osasagio is the national anthem of anime. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely fucking right.
1: And Linked Horizon actually did a live performance of this. I think they had a concert for like, like the Attack on Titan soundtrack, and yeah, the live performance of this is on YouTube, so I can drop a link to that in the Discord for anyone who's interested, because I think one of the, one of the comments for it all says, like, all rise for our national anthem, and you can't help but, but do it just because the, the energy of this song, and of course, the chorus, the very, Iconic chorus of Sasageo, Sasageo, Shinzo, Sasageo. Um, Visuals-wise, it's very similar to what we've seen for OPs in the attack in Attack on Titan from season one. Um, but one thing that is of interest is I think during the later half of the chorus, where you see the scouts in the field battling the colossal the colossal and armor titans you don't see reiner or bertolt among them like it, it just it shows mikasa i think it shows John and armin and then eren as he transforms into the attack titan but you don't see those two at all
0: i didn't notice that that's a good uh, a good point um, because we find out more about them in episode 6 but i would say this op is my favorite op of all the Attack on Titan OPs, it's it's fucking amazing. Um, Hint-wise, I think there is a huge spoiler at the very end when the Beast Titan is running along with a bunch of other animals. And I'm sitting here wondering, why didn't Zeke get to be the fucking Dinosaur Titan? That'd be so cool! Instead of being the Monkey Titan, why not be the Dinosaur Titan? Because you see like all these animals, and I'm pretty sure there's dinosaurs among them. And I think the idea is that it's hinting at... The previous beast titans taking on different animal forms,
1: but you don't see. Was it Mister Cassaver, his uh, mentor? Wasn't what it animal was sh- he? Wasn't he like a sheep, a <laughs> or sheep, a, oh, a God. lamb, or a goat, something along those lines. <laughs> the sheep titan. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I don't. I don't remember seeing a sheep. I saw like a whale and an alligator.
0: Yeah, the fucking whale doesn't make any sense to me. It just flies through the sky like doesn't need water. <laughs> I feel like that would be the most useless beast titan that you could be
1: yeah i'm, I'm looking at an image <laughs> i see an elephant a whale um i see the dinosaur i see another dinosaur i, I don't know that the names of these dinosaurs but yeah i don't, I don't see a sheep among them <laughs> like whatever mr cassava's beast titan form was um I feel like you shouldn't omit that since he was a prominent figure in Zeke's life.
0: I know. I find it weird that they chose to even add that scene because, yeah, it's like a spoiler for the history of the Beast Titan, but it's almost like we don't learn a lot about it. We just learn through Zeke and Mr. Kasavar's past conversations that there were different iterations of the Beast Titan depending on the wielder. You know, like every Titan looks slightly different depending on the wielder. Here, the Beast Titan changes animal form based on the wielder. But that's it. Like you just get like a little confirmation of that and you never see it. And yet this OP several seasons earlier has all these fucking animals. (laughs) It was just a very strange decision. But again, like, I don't know. It's just a shame that Zeke wasn't a dinosaur.
1: (laughs) Now for the E.D., which is titled Yugure no Tori, or translated as Birds of Twilight, by the band Shinsei Kamate-chan. Now, Shinsei Kamate-chan returned to the world of AOT because they did the final season's first OP, which was My War, or I think Boku no Senso. Uh, but yeah, for season two, it's the ED. You hate this ED because it, it sounds creepy as fuck, but... It's the ED that spoiled absolutely everything. And, and we had no idea. Yeah, it was right under our noses.
0: Yeah, this is my my least favorite ED. It's scary. It scared me. It still does. But you're right, it is the most spoilery because it tells us the entire fucking lore between between behind the Titans Origins, Emir's story. I think I saw imagery of the history of Marley and Eldia. Like mm-hmm. it's it's literally everything, and I was too scared to pay attention because I just hate <laughs> this ED so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I know people. Some people like to skip OP as an ED, so like for those of you, you you missed out on quite the the spoiler dump. Um And of course, it's like more medieval art style imagery of all the things that we later know about Emir and the founding titan power Uh, although i think the first shot um is of emir having that deal with the devil even though in reality when we see her backstory in um in season four or the final season that's far from it it was just that emir happened to get um Like, happened to have her body connect with that sort of virus thing. The
0: alien thing. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, So, very interesting, I guess, choice of propaganda for Ymir's supposed deal with the devil. You also see uh, King Fritz having his three daughters, uh, Maria, Rose, and Sheena. Eating Emir's corpse, I just thought like, oh, this is just a disgusting medieval image. I felt like... I couldn't
0: even tell what some of the images were.
1: Yeah, and um, and they
0: flash by so fast on the screen, I I didn't even notice that they had an image around them eating Emir's body.
1: Yeah, well, there is one thing that flashes by pretty quickly, which is the number eight forty five. Um, but I think that's just the year where Wall Maria was breached. So cryptic, kind of cryptic imagery there. Um, of course, like you mentioned, there's there's a battle. It, it seems to show battles between Marley and Eldia um, where the, the Eldian Titans, I think, are invading Marleyan lands. Um, it, there are big hints to, or big allusions to, the rumbling where you have the Wall Titans like, stomping over land and you see their footprints and even these tall Eldians walking in a row towards the sunlight. Uh, but I think the coolest image out of all of these is the final shot, where it's showing the founding Titan, which is Emir, um, in all her glory. But as the before you get to that last shot of her, the camera's panning upwards, and there are actually eight Titans uh, that are right below her, kind of kneeling or genuflecting uh, towards the camera. So that's what a was hint. that word? Genuflecting? What the hell's that? It's what like parishioners do in church before the the pew.
0: What the? I don't know what that means. genuflect
1: is like you know like people like in the Catholic Church before you sit down in the pew, you you kneel and then you make the sign of the cross.
0: Oh, it's like a thing you do.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's I've Genie never Fleck. heard. Wow. <laughs> never <laughs> heard that term before. That's, <laughs> that's what I remember from my CCD days. Uh, but yeah, it it shows the nine Titan shifters in that shot. So even then, like we could have known that there were, how many Titans do we know now? There's the female, the colossal, the armored, the jaw, the attack. We could have known right then and there that there were four other Titans. You forgot the beast. The beast. So we could have known that there were three other Titan shifters out there, besides the ones that we've seen so far in season
0: two. So starting off with episode one. The very first scene of that very first episode is a book opening, almost like a history book opening. And I've, um, I've been sold on the theory that this entire series has been a retelling of past events from Armin's perspective, because he always gives the recaps for um, at the beginning of each episode, or he does the previews for the next episode. But the way he, he talks about them or describes them is almost like a retelling of what's happened before so the fact that we get this first scene looking like a history book opening up just kind of leads me to believe that maybe at the end of the whole show it'll just be like Armin. what's that meme of like the old man sitting with like all the children on the floor listening to their stories it's like oh. let me tell you <laughs> about my my past um, when i was the colossal titan
1: but Armin wouldn't have been like he wouldn't have he would, yeah, old.
0: I mean, he's, he's got a contract. Yeah. He's gonna die in thirteen <laughs> years anyway. So right? he, whatever. He, he's probably
1: writing this uh, year thirteen before. he, yeah, before he succumbs to whatever it.
0: Whatever happens, actually, well, we don't know what happens when you reach your contract, right? You do just like die, or does I like your body you, explode or something? Oh, <laughs> I mean,
1: I think you do die, but I don't like know. Like, how, how do you die? Do right. you get
0: snapped? Like <laughs> Thanos snapped?
1: Well. Oh, like if you don't get eaten by who's supposed to inherit you next, right? Like, do you just right.
0: pass away exactly thirteen years later? Yeah, you
1: just drop dead, and wherever, then your Titan, you your
0: Titan form gets gets put into some baby that gets born. Um, well, I don't, I don't doubt we'll ever learn what happens, but uh, either way, I, I find that to be very interesting. Um, and then we get the Titan face in the wall, and the eye actually moving to look at everyone. I think on the ground below, and we had no idea at the time that that was a wall titan for the rumbling. And I think you mentioned that Hanj um, has a, a whole thing in the beginning of the season where she's trying to research the titans more, the wall titans more. I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. I just thought they were like, oh, that's weird and they, they don't look at it again. But no, they actually do do a lot of research and I just, I did not recall any of that from my first watch through.
1: Yeah, I mean like this kind of connects to like, cause I had forgotten like, how they came up with the plan for Aaron to plug the hole in Shiganshina district with his attack Titan power. Um, part of it was, was the research about the wall, but also part of it was, um, them talking to the pastor of like, whatever they call it, the, the church of the wall, the wall church, uh, Pastor Nick, I think was his name, um, getting more information out of him as to like why there are, uh, Titans in the walls. And I think that leads into them learning about Historia, like her significance.
0: Yeah, and I think um, we could talk about some of these things holistically versus episodically. With the whole church and the pastor knowing everything and not being able to say anything, do we feel like he was not able to say anything because he was literally bound by the king's will? Because you know how like, the king forced oh. everyone to forget everything and whatnot? I mean, some people have to remember what happened. And I'm guessing it's the church that has to remember what happened. But mm-hmm. are they bound by that king's will to not actually say anything? Because he was like freaking out when they kept trying to get him to say something. He's like, I really, really can't. I really can't tell you. <laughs> well,
1: the king's will, it, or the king's vow is to renounce war specifically.
0: But also to like make everyone forget their history as eldians like there's more to it than just renouncing war like there's like everyone's been forced to forget their past mm. right but like isn't there more to it that we learn I don't about? think
1: it's i don't think that's like oh or, i don't know I, I i feel like that wouldn't be a will imposed on the church if the church is supposed to be the only other source of information about the truth i think it was more that pastor nick did not want to reveal the truth because of the can of worms that was going to open.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, that would be a, a fucking messy situation. Yeah. But then <laughs> like,
1: you know, Hans was was showing him like look at all of the destruction that is being caused by these titans, like we need to know. And then that's where he gave up uh Historia or Krista's secret alias as Historia.
0: Wait, he did? Yeah. I thought it would wait. Doesn't Sasha deliver a note to Hanj and that's how they find out? Was uh, that note from the priest or the pastor?
1: Um well let me look through my notes really quick. For episode three, I, I noted that after like Hanj forces Pastor Nick to see the refugees from Walmaria, they're they're flooding in to one of the districts, I think, in Walrose. Um, like that finally forces him to tell them a key person that joined the scouts. Sasha interrupts before we can hear the name of that scout. I think she was delivering news about the wall breach to Hanja's group.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. That so, yeah, sense.
1: Pastor Nick was the one who, who gave them the clue about Historia.
0: Okay. Um, we also have the start of Ragako Sit Town Yeah, the the town of Ragako. Um, So thinking about that holistically, um, we get confirmation that like Titans are coming from the south. Connie says that's where his village is. We know that there's the one Titan smushed on top of his house that can't move because its arms and legs are too weak. But it looks just like Connie's mom and even says, welcome home. Um, And all of this is pretty much confirmation that it's, it's Zeke. It's the town that Zeke experiments on, or at least we see him experiment on in the final season. Where they, I think they use his spinal fluid in gas form and like distribute that among the town and then Zeke screams. And again, this is why everyone is confused as to how Titans are inside Wall Rose without confirming it's been breached. Um, or at least a- after confirming it, it has not been breached because they're just trying to figure out like where the fuck did they all come from? Where do mm-hmm. they come from? Why is there no blood in this town? Uh, if the villagers escaped, why are the the horses still here? Why are the houses destroyed? So yeah, it just it confirms um, what we learn later in the final season.
1: Which, like, even not knowing back then about like the the stuff that we learn in the final season, or even in season three part two, it confirms that just as with the Titan shifters we've seen up until this season. Again, the armor, the colossal, the beast, yada, yada, yada. Like, all the Titans were humans at one point. I think that's what they confirm at, uh, in episode 12.
0: Yeah, and, and with with Reiner being adamant about going with Connie to see the village, I think we all can can figure out why. It's because he wants to know what's going on down there with Zeke and even calls out bertolt to come with him. And bertolt reluctantly says yes because he knows, like, it's a very sensitive situation and he knows what may actually be going down over there so all of these things kind of lead us to believe you know obviously there's something very strange going on here um but we learn later how that all ties together
1: related to Ragako, i wanted to just briefly bring up the castle where like we find out about uh emir's true identity as the jaw titan um because i i forgot like why are they in this castle and why is it significant um the castle is called utgard which i think is i forget what language um it means outyard. in norse mythology it was actually the home of the giants or i think they're called jotuns uh, i'm relying on like my my, my thor lore from marvel uh, but i think this castle is significant because I believe this was where the Marlin soldiers that accompanied Zeke were stationed when they were doing the experiments on Ragagul. And that's why Emir discovered that crate that had the, the can.
0: And I believe they also said something like somebody was recently here. I don't know if it was like a, a campfire or something yeah. that hinted to it recently being inhabited by somebody. So yeah, that was Zeke's team um you know, staking it out there. And speaking of Zeke, we get in this episode confirmation that Titans can fucking talk. I mean, we already get a little bit of that earlier in the episode with Connie's mom. But as far as like the special Titans, they can fucking talk. Uh, And that was so crazy back in the day when that episode first aired. I was like, holy shit, he's talking. What the fuck? Um, Zeke does say, uh, I believe I wrote it verbatim, but I could be wrong. I see you use swords. I guess that means, you know, we reside in the nape. Like holy shit, he said we,
2: and because oh. we already knew
0: that Titans reside in the nape through Annie and through um, Aaron, mm-hmm. but the fact that he's like you, you know that we reside in the nape. It just feels so ominous. Like there, who's the we that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even catch that. Um, but I think that same scene, he's talking to Mika, right? Yeah, and he, he with the swords, he asks about his ODM gear. And then he takes it back for research. I think this is something we see in the final season where Zeke presents this ODM gear to Lady Kiyomi from the Hizuru Nation. Or the, was it uh, Azumabito clan? um, Which is, that's another full circle moment that we get here. Like I forgot how, or I forgot that uh, Zeke just brought this gear with him.
0: In episode two, they clarify that the scouts were kept isolated in case there were more Titans among them. And I was like, yeah, good call, because you have three more among you. you got the armored, the colossal, and the fucking jaw jaw Titan. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, you guys were on on the right track. Um, But then Armin wonders a little bit more about how the walls were made and questions if they can harden, if they, being the, the Titans on the walls, can harden their skin based on the female Titan doing that because there were no holes or cracks in the walls. And I think Hanj later confirms that by analyzing a piece of Annie's hardening crystal yeah. with a piece from the wall. Again, a huge hint that doesn't come into play in the final season, but actually comes into play in the third season. Because Aaron, well, actually, really just very immediately in this season, because they're like, well, then Aaron can just harden his ass and plug yeah, up the wall.
1: That I think that's in episode three, where like Aaron brings up that... Um, or I think it's like Hans theorizes that Aaron could learn that same ability to plug that hole in wall Maria.
0: In the later part of this episode, as Kaya's watching her mom get eaten um, and Sasha ends up saving Kaya, I believe this is also exactly where Kaya confronts Gabby in the final season. Mm-hmm. And like the hero she is kaya tells gabby everything we've been wanting to say to her annoying ass that is still <laughs> one of the best scenes i love that scene so much when she just like lets loose on gabby but it is very eerie that this is the place that they have that conversation and kaya saying why did my mom have to be eaten what did we do to deserve that like she's literally standing in the spot that her mom solely got devoured in
1: And i think i'd have to rewatch the final season but the acts that um Sasha uses to chop the Titan um, is still stuck in that overhead beam. I think there might have been a quick shot of it in the final season. Yeah, I recall that too. Um, yeah, like episode two, I think part of it is like Sasha's backstory, um, especially showing her dad. And he was having a conversation about her, about like how their family, like they relied on hunting to get them through, but it's just gotten harder with the breach on Wall Maria, and so he says we should let go, let go of the forest and give up hunting for good. Uh, he brings this conversation back in the final season, where, like, who was it? Niccolo reveals that Gabby was the one who had killed Sasha, and he hands the knife over to Mister Brous to to kill her off um, as penance but he refuses to uh, because he, he he sees that the world in that sense now was like this colossal forest that Sasha was still a part of where it was about killing or being killed. Um, so it was like she never really got out of that sense of being a hunter. And I think he's he's being more of a peacemaker from season two all the way through to the final season where, yeah, we, we getting the kids out of the forest, like that metaphor that he uses that comes full circle.
0: We see in this episode that um, we've talked a little bit about the tower that they're in or the castle they're in, um, but when they're stuck there at night, we see that the Titans are still able to move after the sun has set. And you know, we also see the Beast Titan, I think, out in the distance. This is probably leading us to believe that Zeke commanded the Titans to continue moving even when the sun has set. Um, I think we get... I don't know if it was like later the season or when, but we get more confirmation that Zeke does have the ability to command Titans. Well, actually, the first episode when he tells the Titans to finish off Mike. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we learned that that is a Titan power. We kind of got that already with this, the first season um, with any female Titan shrieking and the Titans coming to her rescue. But we also know that not every Titan wielder has that ability. There's also a small exchange between Levi and Mikasa where Levi says to Mikasa he doesn't know why she's so attached to Aaron, but to protect him at all costs. Well, I can think of two reasons. First of all, she's in love with him, but also, you know, second of all, she's an Ackerman tied to
1: mm-hmm. him. Yeah, like, why is Levi so attached to the air Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then we do see Zeke climb the wall as a Titan to escape that portion of, of the area And I think we saw this briefly when Annie was trying to flee Aaron in their climactic scene, their climactic fight in the first season. So it kind of just makes me feel like the wall is so discounted because you can just, if you're a Titan wielder, you can just fucking climb over it. It's not actually as scary as it seems. Well, (laughs)
1: <laughs> Zeke's beast titan form is specifically that of a monkey so. but
0: Annie was able to dig her fingers into the wall to try and climb it she got halfway up before Mika Mikasa cut her fingers off
1: well I wasn't is it? I don't remember if it's because she had like the hardening ability that she was using that to climb the walls
0: yeah I think she was which means okay. Aaron could could climb the walls theoretically because he can also harden
1: Yeah, but I think like pure titans, they can't do anything. No,
0: yeah, I'm not saying pure titans. I'm saying the titan wielders can easily climb up and over the wall whenever they fucking want. Or Reiner (laughs) could just blow his way through.
1: Right. I was going to say like if if the armor could just blast his way through the wall, then yeah, they can just climb over it.
0: In episode four, um, there is one small scene I do want to call out about. Uh, Ragako. So Historia asks where the Titans could be invading from if there's no breach in the wall and the camera focuses on Reiner, Bertolt, and Connie because it originated from Connie's village but Reiner and Bertolt know what the fuck is actually going on. So I thought that little hint was pretty interesting. I think in the original watch through you assume that the camera pans to them because they're the three that went to the village but I think there's deeper meaning behind that than just you know them being the only ones to go over there. And also in that scene, um, Connie starts saying that the titan on top of his house looked like his mom. But Reiner interrupts him to dismiss it. But then Emir disrupts both of them to laugh at the idea of his mom being a titan. Because I think she's trying to hide the actual truth behind titans. She mm-hmm. knows firsthand that you can actually turn people into titans. It's just weird that she, I think she's trying to protect herself maybe. Um, and her knowledge by making it seem like, oh, I'd never believe that a human could be a titan when that literally happened to her.
1: And she outs herself, I think, in the next scene where she reads the the canned food. Uh, One thing that I noted from earlier in the episode is I think the scouts stumble upon wine as well that have that, I'm assuming it's Marlian language on it. Um, And I think this is where I learned, oh, like, I tuned to- together that this is where the Marlion soldiers were probably stationed during the Ragako experiment. It's just interesting that it's, it's wine here that plays a key role as much as it did uh, in season or in the final season where it's used to in- like mix in some of Zeke's spinal fluid to take down the higher ups in the military
0: Reiner also has that flashback when he sees Porco's brother Marcel being eaten by Ymir. Um, and we, I mean, to me back then, that was just like, oh, that's his, you know, his tough backstory, like why he's so traumatized by Titans and all that, like a good friend was eaten by one. And we don't realize till later that Marcel actually was a Titan wielder. I mean, we get it in this this season, but the actual importance behind Marcel mm-hmm. um, comes into play in the final season. And then interestingly, Reiner also does not steam when he gets hit by that Titan when they're running from them up the tower. Um, but we know that you know from Aaron the Titan wielders can choose not to heal. And plus, yeah. in the season two, I think in episode six, Reiner takes off his bandage and then heals the the bite wound from the Titan.
1: Yeah, I think uh, when he reveals himself, like he takes his arm out of his sling and starts healing. But in the in this episode, uh, he has or Krista tends to. His wounds, and that's where he's like, "Oh, I gotta marry her." I know.
0: <laughs> in episode five, there's an interesting character that does make a comeback. Um, do you want to talk about Daz, Daz, whatever the fuck his name is?
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna say Marco because <laughs> he Marco has a, a small cameo. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> um, it's it's the the winter training, but yeah, in that flashback where the scouts or the cadets are doing their winter training. Um, E, or not, Eimer, Krista is carrying or dragging a, a cadet behind her on a, on a what would you call it, like a, a stretcher. It's uh, Daz, I think she mentions him by name, it's Daz. Um, Daz comes back in the final season. He becomes a Jaegerist, and I believe it's Connie who shoots him in the mouth when they are apprehending both... Connie and Armin um so yeah I think I'm sure Dez has other scenes uh, throughout these first three seasons but th- it's just particularly with this one that he's mentioned by name that I just happened to catch it
0: they went through all that fucking trouble to save his ass only for him to turn around become a Jaegerist and then get killed anyway by Connie mm-hmm. oh my god
1: and I know, like this same winter training sequence, um, it establishes more of the relationship between Emir and I'm just gonna call her Historia. I know that they call her Krista, but Emir and Historia, like Emir knows through the later backstory we get for Emir that Historia is the uh, illegitimate child of a nobleman's mistress, but it's really like she's of the royal, the true royal family. Um, So she's very protective of her in that sense, and we'll learn why later. Um, But I think it's hinted at that Ymir uses her jaw titan power to help Historia bring Daz to their base safely. But back in my head, I was thinking, just imagine if someone were at the base, just looking out the window at that particular moment, and then they see this this ugly-ass Titan bringing Daz to their front doorstep.
0: That would have been so crazy.
1: <laughs> and this is just an aside. Why doesn't Emir have a specific jaw titan form?
0: That is her jaw titan form. She just doesn't have a, a mechanical jaw the way that um, Porcos does. Well, because you have to also think about um, oh, what, what the why am I blanking on his name? The one that looks like a fucking Falco? Falcon. Yeah, Falcos Falcon <laughs> yeah. jaw titan. Like that looks distinctly different.
1: Well, I mean, like, Porco's, like, he has, like, that, um, like, kind of mask on him. Falco, he has like, the beak, because, you know, Falcon. Uh, but Emir, she doesn't have any of that. Her her pure Titan form looks the exact same as her, quote-unquote, jaw Titan form.
0: Oh, that's a good point. But you have to remember, too, Eren's Titan, attack Titan form, is pretty plain as well. That could easily be a regular-ass Titan, if you think about it. Because he's, he's not, there's nothing distinct about his titan like he's got long hair i guess he's he's got pecs yeah i mean he's ripped but yeah yeah, i I think maybe that's just the way that happens but it's a good um, point because i i can't imagine that if porco i'll just call him galliard because you know i'm gonna call him galliard i can't imagine if galliard or falco turned into regular titans that they would look identical because when Armin turns into a titan a pure titan to then become the Colossal, his pure titan obviously looks nothing like the Colossal.
1: I was gonna say maybe it was just a, a story choice to not reveal that Emir was a special titan shifter like Reiner's armored or bertolt's Colossal. It was just that maybe Sayama just established this moving forward with Galliard inheriting the jaw titan ability.
0: There is that one moment that I think a lot of people talked about in this episode when Emir jumps down to rescue the scouts from the um, the Titans that are closing in on them. You see a shot of the group, but on the left hand side you can see Bertholt at the ready to bite his hand as the tower is falling. Mm-hmm. That was a big hint that we all didn't realize at the time. Like it's very obvious. I think it just it. Maybe the first time you watched it, it looks like he's just shocked. But in reality, like, he is ready to fucking turn into the Colossal and probably kill everybody around him, <laughs> including Reiner.
1: Yeah, every man for himself at that point. But then... Oh, wait, no, I was going to say he would have fulfilled his mission, but then, yeah, he would have killed the Armored Titan and the Jaw, and then their abilities would have gone to someone else.
0: And Emir's Jaw Titan can talk, but we've never seen... Porco or Marcel or Falco's jaw titans talk, right?
1: Yep. Uh, Galliard had to ace it his uh, jaw titan form to speak.
0: Yeah, so that's weird that her jaw titan can speak. So maybe it's not even specific to the titan wielder. It's just specific to oh, sorry. It's not specific to the type of titan that you have. It's specific to the wielder themselves on whether or not they can talk.
1: I think this was also I noticed this at the end of the episodes when Emir. Uh, emerges from her jaw titan form she has the proper titan scars going below her eyes Uh, i i mentioned in season one that they look more like tire marks when aaron came out yeah um but now they've established the that scar so
0: episode four is titled soldier um but here in episode six it's titled warrior because we learn all about the warrior candidates and who they kind of actually are i mean we don't get confirmation, but we get a pretty decent amount of confirmation around them being the traitors.
1: I think here, um, Hans returns, um, I guess, what would you call it, like the, the second father to Armin, Mikasa, and Aaron. But he was voiced previously in season one by Keiji Fujiwara, who had passed away, um, I think, as they were making season two. And so the role passed over to Oh, wait, no, he didn't pass away.
0: What? Was he, was he was he battling cancer at that time? Didn't he die from cancer? Oh. He may have, like, maybe there was like health reasons he had to step away.
1: Um, sorry, I'm looking up uh, what happened exactly. Oh, yeah, August 2016, I'm reading the Wikipedia for Keiji Fujiwara. He went on hiatus to undergo medical treatment for a then unspecified illness, but we learned that it was cancer, Uh, So I think from this point onward in, it was only season two because Hans dies at the end of the season. Uh, It was Kenjiro Suda, my boy, who picks up the (laughs) role of Hans. And I can hear his voice clearly uh, in Hans.
0: We see in this episode that Reiner's spirit starts to break down and Bertolt, Bertolt says what they probably should have done a while ago. He's like, bro, we can just grab Aaron and go. And then we can finally get home and be done with this mission. He's like, let's just fucking expedite this shit and go the fuck home. I don't think you realize Reiner would then actually tell Aaron everything <laughs> and just be like, hey, so, you know, five years ago, we started our attack on humanity. I just yeah. love the way he started that, too. He's like, five years ago, we began our attack on humanity. I'm like, what the hell is he saying? Yeah, uh, I
1: thought he was just, you know, losing it and hallucinating. He kind of is losing it. But then, you know, <laughs> then I realized oh shit he's speaking truth it's just that he's so loopy right now and i'm sure he's just very (laughs) homesick that he just wants to get it over with
0: he does expand though and say that they've been there too long that they were just kids back then so they didn't know anything and he realizes he's kind of grown soft and too close to the people of paradise and forgotten where he's come from but then at the end of the episode i think aaron starts crying when it's confirmed that they're the armored and colossal titans And maybe that's why Aaron and Reiner have this ongoing rivalry, even into the final season. Because Aaron is just so distraught that Reiner fucking betrayed him.
1: I do like when Aaron transitions into the Attack Titan. I I believe it's all like hand-drawn. And it just shows his muscles and his tendons and his skin forming into the Attack Titan. I think that's one of my favorite animation sequences from this episode. I could be wrong, but... didn't look like it used cgi it was just great sakuga it is
0: cool because it's one of the earlier moments where we see how titans actually form once the wielder starts that process Um, we see more of it in the later seasons Um, i think one of the coolest ones that is more unique is the way the warhammer titan forms which is from the ground up Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that was that was really special because we were like oh my gosh like they kind of They like create the Titan in midair. (laughs) It's like kind of how I would describe it. Yeah. In episode seven, Aaron says at one point that he wished he could be as strong as Reiner someday, and I'm thinking, oh, how how the turntables? What is that office reference? (laughs) How the the turntables? (laughs) Um, Because now in the final season, Aaron is OP and Reiner is fucking depressed. So yeah, he he got his wish. That's for sure.
1: It was imposter syndrome (laughs) for for Reiner.
0: In episode eight, we see Mikasa get a what seems to be a headache, and she says, not this again. Um, and so I feel like that's her headaches that form when she's unable to fulfill her duty as an Ackerman and protect the person that she's like assigned to or attached to.
1: Another thing I noticed with Mikasa in this episode is actually a shot of Armin and her looking out on top of the wall into the distance, trying to find... Uh, the kidnapped Aaron, the Aaron that was kidnapped by Reiner and Bertholdt. There's a very similar shot of them looking out into the distance in the final season, except it's them looking at Aaron, but it's Aaron in his founding Titan form. If I happen to find a comparison shot, I can share that in the Discord. But nice of them to use a visual from season two and apply it to the final season.
0: And in that same scene, Mikasa asks Armin why Aaron always has to go far away from them, and Armin responds by saying it seems like Aaron always has to run off and leave them behind, and that's what's meant for him to do, or like that's what's meant to happen for him. And that definitely comes into play in the final season. He continues to stray away from them, you know, even though the three of them are best friends, and it's like he's sort of distancing himself from them, keeping them at an arm's length and it only continues to get worse from there. I still do love Mikasa and Armin's friendship. I think as much as I love Eren and Mikasa and the trio as a whole, my favorite relationship of all of them in Attack on Titan is Mikasa and Armin and their friendship because they are truly best friends. They always stick with each other even when Aaron is separated from them. And we see that happen more and more as the seasons progress. Um, there's like a very, a very special bond between Mikasa and Armin because they're both going through this, this whole journey and, and Aaron's leaving them behind. They're confused. They, they look to each other to support one another. Um, and yeah, there's just something really nice about you know, any time Mikasa and Armin interact.
1: I think later on in, in that scene, Hans shows up and this is, he says something that makes me think about what to expect in the final part of the final season. Uh, Hans says, no matter how many times Aaron gets knocked over, he gets up until you or I show up. Uh, you are, I guess you, he's referring to either Mikasa or Armin. So that makes me think, you know, Aaron's going on this this tirade in in the rumbling. Uh, but will Mikasa or I mean, trying to make a last-ditch effort to snap Eren out of it, get him back to his humanity? Uh, again, just thinking about this line that Han says to them. Also, they play up Han's way too much, and so this was kind of a hint towards his eventual demise. Those
0: red flags in anime. <laughs> Episode 9 um, kind of posed a question for me that's just a, a really weird question I want to ask it and see what your thoughts are so Emir says that Reiner got his ODM gear from Aaron, uh, meaning that Aaron still had it on when he transformed we saw him jump off the wall um, crying about Reiner he transformed with his ODM gear still on so it got sucked into his Titan form with him so in theory if that's possible if he can keep his ODM gear and the clothes on his back then in theory, if someone was clinging onto Aaron's back while he transformed, wouldn't they get like enveloped into the Titan body with him? Like if like saw or Armin was like, let's go, Aaron. And then they he transformed while they were like hugging onto his back when they get sucked in.
1: Well, I think that's a question we can apply to the final season, because when Aaron turned into his founding Titan form, what happened to Zeke? right
0: uh, oh yeah when he catches his head yeah oh Did he
1: get sucked into aaron founding titan yeah because i
0: mean technically he was touching him at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: hmm, maybe that's why
1: I, I think i said like once that, that zeke's just dangling from one of the ribs he's
0: like hey can you let go of me <laughs> yeah. well i'm thinking like if it was his attack titan form wouldn't they suffocate because oh, like, you're getting yeah, sucked like into a bunch two, of meat. <laughs> two pilots
1: stuck in a meat mecca. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was interesting when I saw that scene. Um, then later in the scene, Emir tells Aaron that if he thinks Reiner and Bertholdt are the enemy, um, that killing them will end everything. Or no, sorry. It, he <laughs> she t- I read my notes wrong. She tells him that if he thinks that killing Reiner and Bertholdt um, will end everything, that he's sorely mistaken. So then, Aaron keeps asking who the enemy is, and Reiner stops Emir before she has the chance to explain more to Aaron about everything outside the walls. Like he was that close to learning everything sooner, but Emir was like, "Oops, I just won't say anything."
1: I think we're. This is where it kind of got confusing with Emir's relationship with Historia, because I think this is something that Reiner calls Emir out on, um, and so I, I just I just want to talk this through. Why is Emir? protecting historia again
0: I think the true reason is because she cares about historia and she doesn't want her to rot away inside the walls mm. I think she's convinced in the earlier parts of these episodes that um, if she were if, he, if historia were to go with them to Marley she could live a more fulfilling life in some way but then at the end of the the, uh, the season when Connie I think is carrying historia um I think somebody says to her like, or the Emir gets some sort of confirmation that there is a future inside the walls because they they realize that Aaron is the Founding Titan.
1: Okay, I was gonna say, is this absent Emir knowing about the Founding Titan's powers and yeah. how? So it's not like she knows Historia's linked to that, and that would kind of lead her to this this cycle of doom for the well, royal. Well, I think family? she does
0: because she knows she's royalty. Mm, like she knows okay. there's something special about Historia tied to the royal blood. Um, and that's why, that's why they need her. That's why Reiner's like so desperate about taking Historia with them, even if it's at a later point, because she's a key to this whole thing. Mm. But Emir's like, okay, I'll do that, and I'll go, I'll, I'll bring Historia with us, because I don't want her to just sit inside the walls and rot.
1: But then, since Eren has the Founding Titan power, she knows that you know, her, Historia's future to to choose life on her own is secured.
0: Yeah, because she says something to the effect of like, okay, there is a future for Historia inside the walls. Okay. Because the, the, the key that Historia is is only related to the founding Titan, to mm-hmm. the coordinate as they call it in the season. Yeah. So wherever the coordinate is, is where Historia needs to be.
1: Okay. That makes sense.
0: And speaking of the coordinate, in episode 10, we get the first mention of the coordinate um, that Reiner, Reiner and Bertolt are wondering if um, Historia is the coordinate before they realize that it's actually Eren.
1: I think they all realize in was it episode 12 where he punches uh the sm- um what the fuck's her name? Diana Fritz?
0: I think it was episode 12?
1: Yes. Right? Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm scared. I'm looking a uh, looking ahead at my notes. Um Yes. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> okay. I I wrote it as the punch that saved the scouts in episode 12. So yes, it was episode 12 where they all find out that Aaron is the the coordinate.
0: Reiner does tell Berthold in episode 10 to confess to Annie because they're both murderers with short lives. And I'm like, ooh, short lives? It's not because they're going to get killed. It's because they have contracts.
1: 13 years.
0: Yeah, I thought it was because they're probably going to get killed someday. But yeah, I know they're talking about how many years they have left um, as Titan wielders.
1: Episode 10 also features Emir's backstory, which I believe she says... Sixty years ago uh, was when she had gotten her Titan powers, or when this all conspired. Uh, of course, we now know that this took place in Marley, which explains the uniformed soldiers. Um, one thing to note is for people who have watched the Attack on Titan OVAs, when the Marleyan soldiers storm into the cult of Emir, and they're asking who's responsible, wait why does the that one follower cult follower shake her head at Emir?
0: because the soldiers are asking like who's responsible for all of this because the one guy said like oh it was her she tricked us all. oh and, and so Emir's looking back at them like, are you fucking serious? Okay okay <laughs> and so yeah. she's like, please don't tell them, please don't tell them.
1: Okay but then yeah, Emir sees like how important it is for whatever for her to be the scapegoat and much like the the real Emir. Right? They all pointed hands at her yeah. for, for opening the, the fucking pig pen or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, So, yeah, Emir puts the lame on herself, and, but that just leads all the followers to the wall where they get turned into titans. But that specific cult follower who begged Emir not to compromise their religion is the same pure titan from the OVA Ilse's notebook. Ilse being a scout researcher who... Happened upon uh, this cult follower's titan, and the the titan thought that Ilse was Emir reborn. Uh, so that's why there's a little bit of significance with this titan in that OVA, or with this cult follower in that OVA, because she thinks Ilse is
0: Emir. There's a few other things that we we can gather from the flashback. Um, We see the wall where they injected Eldians, where Marley soldiers injected Eldians with the Titan serum and then tossed them over the wall, but we don't actually see the full picture of that. It's just like a very small hint to it. We see Emir wake up and eat Marcel, and I just keep thinking, damn, if Marcel didn't save Reiner, Emir could have been the armored titan. Um, we also, I think, right before that, we have a moment where Bear told asks Emir if she remembers who who she ate, which was again Marcel, but she says no because we know through Aaron that memories are very very fuzzy when you get turned into a titan. But I'm also wondering how much has she inherited in terms of his memories.
1: All right, because she
0: should have had at least some of his memories, but. As again, we learn with Aaron, it may take time for someone to unlock their inherited memories.
1: I think she was just probably so focused at uh, the fact that she had a second lease on life, because we see a shot of her in the paths. Uh, But she envisions that as as a new freedom for her.
0: And back then, I just thought that's where she woke up. Like Like in
1: some random desert?
0: (laughs) Well, no, I thought that like the outside of the walls were like desert, which they kind of are. They're kind of very like barren wasteland. Mm -hmm. Um, But that like maybe the night sky was just really pretty that night because, you know, she's like you said, she's been reborn. But nope, it's paths.
1: It's the paths.
0: In episode 11, we see for the first time someone partially exit their titan form when Emir does it. She sticks her head out of the back of the nape without actually detaching herself from the titan. And then I guess she goes back inside. And I didn't think anything of that. And I was just like, oh, okay. But that comes into play a lot in the final season. I think this is the episode where these scouts like gang up on Beertolt and start making him and Reiner feel really bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And John comments about Beertolt's weird sleeping positions. We learn later in the final season that Beartolt Okay, I, d- I really don't remember actually. Do you remember why Beertolt sleeps in weird positions?
1: Is it just because like he has nightmares of um like why he has to do this mission?
0: Maybe. There's some like, specific the, like the reason.
1: Casualties of him that were caused by him being the Colossal Titan.
0: It was either that or he was just, because I know that in the final season we get a flashback where we learn that the story that Bertolt tells Armin and Eren about their origins is actually a stolen story from a guy from Paradise. So I don't know if like the sleeping positions were tied to that or yeah, if you're right with the positions being about like him just coping.
1: Um, I, I'm seeing one response here on the internet, it's a physical expression of his inner guilt and personal struggles.
0: There you go, okay. And Bertolt gives into the pressure here. He's been pretty quiet most of the season, but finally he opens up to the scouts saying that he never wanted any of this, that he had no choice, um, and that people hate them for things they've never done. And then the camera shows Emir's expression when she's listening to him say all of this because she understands what it's like to be an Eldian and Marley. Back then we were just like, what are you talking about? We have no context around your mission. Are you trying to get to your hometown? But now we know that his family and Reiner's family and Annie's family are being held hostage essentially by Marley. If they don't fulfill this mission, their families are going to be killed. And that when he says people hate them for things they've never done, it's everyone in Marley pointing fingers at the Eldians, even though those Eldians are hundreds of years removed from the events that took place with the Eldian and Marley war.
1: I think uh, Bertholdt says in this key scene, um, someone has to be the one to stain their hands with blood. And this comes up again in the final season. I believe it's when like, when Connie shoots Daz. Is that right? Like, that's...
0: Maybe. Maybe. Sounds familiar.
1: Yes, it's episode 85 of Attack on Titan, or from the final season, uh, titled Traitor, where Connie shoots Daz, and then he reflects on what Bertholdt says in this episode in season two. Again, someone has to be the one to stain their hands with blood. Another full circle moment, just showing how complex it has become with the world building up And learning that this is basically Eldian infighting, but these are the decisions that must be made in order to hopefully advance the world to a better place.
0: And speaking of advancing, when Erwin is being taken away by the Titan by his arm and says Eren is just ahead Susume, the camera changes to Armin immediately after, who looks shocked but nods yes. And I think that's signaling that eventually the baton will be passed on to him from Erwin.
1: Oh, nice catch.
0: I also noticed that when Armin pulls out that trick about Annie being tortured when he's talking to Bertolt, first of all, that's funny because Armin also has a crush on Annie, but then Bertolt freaks out and calls him Spawn of the Devil, and that's the mm. first time we hear what the Marlians call the Par Well, actually, Marlians and Eldians in Marley call the people of Paradise.
1: Yeah. Uh, I forgot like... Early in the episode, uh, I, I loved um, Mikasa's stare down at Bertholdt. That's so through, good. <laughs> um the Armored Titan's hands. Ooh. Uh, you see, you never want to mess with an Ackerman or get on their bad
0: side. I also noticed that they almost left Historia behind when they retreated. So when they grab Eren, Erwin says... Retreat! retreat let's let's get the fuck out of here we got him but historia is still being held by uh by emir so i'm like bro yeah i don't think you realize how crucial she is like they were willing to just leave her ass but it's not until connie and i think sasha show up that then they're able to grab historia Mm -hmm. so yeah they almost left the the big ticket item behind and of course the episode ends with dina dina how do you say it
1: i say dina i think they say dina fritz
0: One of the two. Um, Dinah Fritz returns. Zeke's mom is here. First, she ate the second wife, and now she wants to eat the second son. And finally, in episode 12, uh, an episode jam-packed with a lot of crazy shit, of course, we see that Aaron makes contact with Dina, Dinah, and a shockwave goes through the other Titan wielder's bodies. He screams, and then, of course, suddenly the Titans follow his commands.
1: But that was preceded by Hans's death, R.I.P. Hans. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is Aaron laughs at this during Hans's death, right? Because he he says like he he was he was scolding himself for being so useless um, in trying to save Hans, but then he I think the only other time we see Aaron laugh after death is Sasha's death. You think it's because he also felt like he was powerless in trying to save her?
0: Yeah, because the whole point of him going rogue and going to Marley is to try and get this shit done to save the people he loves. Mm. And in that mission, he loses one of the people he loves. Okay, so he just yeah, he probably yeah, feels really helpless okay. in that moment.
1: Yeah, okay. So that, that scene makes much more sense now after rewatching this.
0: Emir, I think so when Reiner, told and Emir realize that Aaron has the founding titan, Emir says that she understands why Reiner wanted Aaron so bad. I think she mistakenly thought that Reiner already knew That Aaron was the founding titan, or the coordinate as they're calling it. But then it pans to Reiner, who then says, Who would have thought the coordinate would have fallen into the hands of the worst person imaginable? Mm -hmm. So even Reiner didn't realize that Aaron has the founding titan power. But it's at that moment that Emir says there is a future even inside the walls, meaning again, the founder is here and it's gonna change things, and Historia can be here as well.
1: Yeah, the punch that saved the scouts, but yeah, (laughs) put Aaron as Marley an enemy number one.
0: And at the end of the episode, Connie and Hanj share their theory with Levi and um, Erwin that Titans are actually humans. And we get that quick moment of Erwin smirking because the man is driven by information. And we will learn in season three that he just wants to find out what's in that fucking basement because it has Mm -hmm. all the answers. Um, And then the very end of the episode is Zeke out of his Titan form. And back then we were like, who the fuck's that guy?
1: Well, before that, um, I noticed that like Aaron's kind of debriefing after this whole thing with Reiner and Bertholdt. And it, I think he's like haunted at the loss of all the veteran soldiers uh, during this mission because of him basically getting kidnapped again. Because uh, season one, he's, he was with the original Levi squad. They all got torn to shreds by Annie in her female Titan form. And it's the same thing here. And I think it's John who tells Aaron, if you're worth the price they paid, you better show it.
0: Hell yeah. John's always on his ass about that stuff.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like John says something key in season one, too, in the final episode of season one. Um, abandon your humanity to become a monster. Is that the only way to win? Um, couple of that with what Armin said in season one as well. To defeat monsters, you have to be willing to throw aside your humanity. And I think this is where Aaron's starting to think, is this the price that I have to pay in order to atone for all of these lives lost?
0: Well, if Dio did it in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, then I guess Aaron can do it too. <laughs>
1: well, Dio... I
0: reject my humanity oh, right, yeah. No. <laughs> And yeah, Yeah, no,
1: it's funny. Zeke, Zeke is voiced by the same guy who... Voice deal.
0: There you go. It's all connected. Full circle. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Attack on Titan and Jojo full circle. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Attack on Titan season two. So how many Shinzo Wolves out of ten would you yo to this anime?
0: I originally gave this, I believe, like a nine out of ten. That's what I had on Mal, anyway. Um, I would still give it the same rating. I would say nine, probably Probably, probably, probably (laughs) even a 9.5 because it is just another wild ride of a season that gave us so much incredible world building that we didn't even understand the full context of. Insane plot twists like multiple times throughout the show. Um, And yeah, again, has one of my favorite moments with the uh, nonchalant revealing of the armored titan and the colossal titan um the animation had a a a pretty not a significant jump in quality but you definitely saw an improvement over the first season which should happen when they have four years in between to work on it Mm -hmm. i think the one sour note that people had was oh we had to wait four years just for 12 episodes but hey those 12 episodes definitely delivered so yeah i would say nine 9.5 out of 10 i think it's it's a, as good as season one was what about you
1: I, I don't think i actually had mal when i first watched season two so I, I can't really say what or if my rating would have been the same but i think it would and my rating for season two is a nine out of ten uh even though I, this season has the shortest total episode count at 12 I think some of the bigger plot details and revelations in this season have had a massive impact and significant meaning on how this story of Attack on Titan unfolds in the final season. Uh, many seeds are planted about the world being a lot more complicated than expected through and the random appearance of the Titans and Wall Rose, and then Emir's involvement in the story. Um, though I think at the same time you see the story begin to shift its focus to Historia's significance, as we'll see in season three, uh, which doesn't resonate as much as us wanting to see, of course, Eren's growing importance in the Titanic scheme of things. And it goes without saying that season two has what remains to be one of, if not the most shocking plot twist that I've ever seen in anime, which Propels the series into a compelling direction where now you really begin to question what the truth is, since not all is as it seems. So, overall, as I mentioned in the beginning, at first watch through of season two, it can have you thinking, like, what the fuck is going on? But us having this full context of the story gives you a much deeper appreciation for these episodes and the breadth of groundwork that it lays for this final season, or for the final season.
0: And we can't wait to talk all about Season 3. So look forward to that in the coming weeks. I think we're going to tackle both Parts 1 and 2 as one full episode. And I have very differing opinions on Season 3 Part 1 versus Season 3 Part 2. As do I. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So be sure to join us again for the last look back of Attack on Titan before our special event returns whenever the final season final part is supposed to air sometime early next year thank you so much for listening we appreciate you guys um we love you so much and and all the support that we get not only from our amazing patrons like hernstrom our amazing discord members um but from you guys again just joining us each and every week Hopefully, you've been enjoying our look back on Attack on Titan. But with that, as always, subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, TheStrictlySeries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to Patreon.com The Strictly Series and tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo
1: Shinzo Sasageo. There you go, Hernstro. There you go, (laughs) Hernstro.
0: And as we've said many times in our AOT special event, no character. No care. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say?
2: No <laughs> character. <laughs> character. <laughs> uh.